Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. Now, we all have a set of priorities for our life. And my question to you as we begin this study is this. Where does prayer appear in that list of your priorities? It ought to be at the top of the list. What the Word of God reveals to us is this. We can do nothing that's pleasing to God in our own strength. And it's only when we pray diligently and pray properly, then and only then, are we going to find the assistance from the Holy Spirit, we can say it differently, the anointing from the Holy Spirit, in order that we accomplish the purposes of God. I want to share with you something that I believe. To the degree that you pray, that shows how committed you are to His purposes. If you don't pray much, then you're not committed to the things of God. And when we look at our example for life, and who is that example? Messiah Yeshua. We find that several times, according to the scripture, that he prayed throughout the entire night, meaning this. He understood that prayer was more important than sleep. So let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you forsook a night of sleep in order that you could pray? Now, when we speak about prayer biblically, and this is reflected in this Hebrew word for prayer as a verb, it is a reflexive verb. And what does that mean? Well, it has to do with an action and a response, meaning this. We pray, that is our action, and God is going to respond. And what should we do to God's response? Listen. A very integral part of prayer is listening to God. Don't think that prayer is simply making your supplications and your requests known before God. That's part of it. But another aspect, and I would suggest to you the most important aspect, is waiting patiently for God's response. That you might hear from Him in order that you can have discernment and understand how to apply His power for His purposes and for His glory. Well, take out your Bible and look with me to the book of Luke and chapter 11. The book of Luke and chapter 11. We're going to see that the passage that we study in this study and the passages that we'll study in the weeks to come, many of them are related to prayer. In order that we have the proper perspective for prayer and that we understand 
the purpose of prayer. Prayer is always for God's will to be manifested in a person's life. So look with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, and verse 1, where he says, And it came about when he was in a certain place. Now, what that tells us is this. In this passage, Messiah has a designated place to pray. And again, that shows us that priority of prayer for him, that he had a place that he would go and pray. And we see in this first verse, first verse that he was in a particular place praying. And when he stopped, then we see a certain disciple of his spoke to him. And what did he say? Lord. Now, I've shared with you many times, it is always significant to see how Yeshua is being addressed. Whether it's teacher, whether it's savior, whether he's called the Messiah, or in this case, Lord. And I believe that is a very important hermeneutical clue. And what do I mean by that? A hermeneutical clue is an assistance in helping us rightly use a proper methodology for arriving at biblical truth, a proper interpretation. And when we pray, we should always approach him with the recognition that he is Lord, meaning Lord over all. And by the way, that includes your life as well. If you're going to hear from God, if you're going to receive from God his provision, then you must approach him as the Lord of your life. Not just for salvation, thank you, God, that you saved me, but God, you, because you have saved me, I recognize that you are the authority. That's what lordship is all about, that we recognize his authority over our life, and that is a great thing to do. It has wonderful benefits. It produces righteous results. So always be thinking, how am I demonstrating to others? Meaning this, how is my life a testimony, a witness to others that I live under the authority of God, that he is the priority of my life and whatever he commands whatever are his purposes this is what i want to do and this is at the top of my prayer requests a wise person when he prays he prays for the purposes of god that he first would understand what they are and secondly that he would receive the resources god's provision in order to carry them out and to carry them out in a way that testifies to others and bears witness to him that we are his servants. There is nothing better than being recognized by him as a faithful servant. So Messiah is, is praying. He stops praying, and we read that that 
a disciple of his spoke to him and what did he say lord teach us so this disciple is representing not just himself but other disciples now in one sense we can understand that as those other 11 disciples but we can take it beyond that and understand that this is a passage of scripture that is going to teach all of his servants all of his disciples not just those who lived with him going back 2000 years but also you and me today 2000 years later as we are his disciples and we should as well want to learn how to pray and for him to teach us how to pray so he says this particular disciple lord teach us to pray just as also john and here's something so significant john is brought into this passage and obviously we're speaking about john the baptist now john the baptist he had a call upon his life he came into this world and the scripture tells us in the spirit of elijah now the spirit of elijah has a couple different implications one of which is that spirit of elijah is going to bring about unity among the people of god and specifically among generations what do we know the scripture speaks about elijah in the last days turning the hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to their children there's going to be unity unity in purpose unity in thought and that thought is going to be related to because the context demands that from the book of malachi the context is the kingdom of god and elijah that spirit of elijah is a spirit of preparation for the kingdom and that involves understanding the kingdom and living a life that bears witness to and hear this carefully a kingdom commitment let me ask you this when people look at your life do they see an individual that is committed to the kingdom of god that the things of this world obviously we all know that we have needs in this world but they are secondary the priority of your life and my life should be the kingdom work and that we want to live and manifest to others the character of that kingdom that's what we're called to do so he says here teach us to pray just as also john taught his disciples and john had a ministry he had a, a baptism that he taught and we all know it was a baptism of repentance now what is repentance and we need to be careful because repentance is one thing and then bearing fruit worthy of repentance is another thing now are they inherently related yes they are but repentance first and foremost involves a change 
a, a moving away from a worldly perspective, let me say that differently, a sinful perspective, and moving to a godly perspective, a righteous perspective, a perspective that is committed to the purposes of God. So let me ask you this question. When you pray, are you praying that God will give you clarity in your life concerning his purposes, what he wants you to do? And are you praying for the resources, the perspective, the power, the insight in order to carry out his purposes? If you're not, then you are going to be spiritually frustrated because God is wanting to speak to you, provide to you, and lead you in his way. And the problem is too many believers, we are committed to our way. And that's why repentance and John is mentioned here because we need to be repentant. And what does that mean? We need to agree with God. And the only way, and hear this carefully, the only way for you to agree with God is to know and to value and respect and obey these words. And when I say these words, I'm talking about the words of Scripture. So this disciple, representing all disciples of all time, he says, teach us to pray, just as also John taught his disciples. Verse 2. And he said to them, this is Messiah's response. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, our Father. Now, I want to emphasize that word, Father. Father, in the scripture, brings to our attention a certain few biblical truths. One of which is that God, as Father, God is our provider. Secondly, we saw this in the word Lord as Father. Father represents authority. And here's the spiritual principle that we need to apply to our life. First and foremost, understand it, and then we can apply it to our life, that it's only when we recognize His authority, His absolute authority over our life, then and only then can we expect His provision. If you are wanting to rule your own life, do what you think is best, and expecting God and your prayer life is, God, bless my plans, bless my objectives, bless my dreams. If that's how you pray, well, then you are going to be spiritually frustrated because God isn't going to listen to that. You're not going to capture his attention. And that's why this passage is so important because the, the disciple says, teach us to pray. We need to be taught how to pray. And John taught his disciples, and Messiah is now going to pick up on that, how we can pray as a repentant desire disciple, how we pray as someone who has a call, a spiritual call, on their life that is related to the kingdom of God. So he says, whenever you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven. Now, heaven 
is a different location, entirely different from earth. And therefore, the laws of heaven are very, very different. Heaven in the scripture is connected to the kingdom. We see many times it speaks about the kingdom of heaven. So what it says here in this passage of scripture, our father in heaven, it's recognizing the spiritual authority that God has, which is absolute, and how his laws, his ways are very different than the ways of the earth. So our father who is in heaven, and then we say something, it emphasizes the name of God and name in the Bible is synonymous with character. And it says many times the old English, hallowed be your name. But that word hallowed, it's simply a phrase that speaks about holiness and sanctification. So God's name, that is his character, is holy. He is always connected, and the word holy, and I've said this frequently, the word holy is connected to the purposes of God. So I recognize God's authority over me, and therefore I can expect God's provision to be provided to me when I recognize his purposes in my life, that that is what I'm committed to. You see, when Paul speaks about a spiritual battle, for example, in Romans chapter 7, when he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, this I do. He's in this spiritual battle. We all are. And it's only when we are committed to his plans, his purposes, his will, and we are praying recognizing his absolute authority over all things, then and only then can we expect that God will move in our life, that he will provide, he will provide the resources, the means, and also, and this is critical, also the perspective that we have the vision, that we have the discernment to act utilizing what he provides in order that his will will be done. So we see here in this passage, holy is your name. When we look, for example, in the book of Revelations, chapter 2 and 3, those seven messages to those seven congregations in Asia Minor, there's an emphasis on repentance and turning to and developing in our life that our character is his character. And we see that in this prayer. He says, your kingdom come. That is, we have a desire for the kingdom of God. So let me ask you, does that really describe you? Are you truly desiring the kingdom of God? And does your finances and your other resources, for example, time, do all of this reflect a commitment to the kingdom of God? He is teaching us how to pray, and we should have a kingdom commitment. And that's why he says, your kingdom come. And notice, if we have a commitment to his kingdom and we want that kingdom, he also says, 
and your will be done. So a kingdom character is always, always, always committed to the will of God. And again, the struggle, and we all struggle with this, but the struggle spiritually and oftentimes in our prayer life is this. We don't pray to know the purposes of God or to do the purposes of God. Our prayers are always wrapped up in our desires, not his will, but what we want. And our prayers are are reminiscent to God, bless what I want. God is not interested in blessing what you want unless there is an agreement between him and you, meaning you agree with his plans and his purposes. God's plan is so much better. In general, over all things, his general plan for this world, but also God has a plan for your life. And it's only when you discover that and you say, well, how can I discover God's plan for my life? Very simple. Serve him. As you begin to walk in obedience to his instructions, his general instructions that he gives everyone, as you obey his word, what a wonderful word, obedience. When you submit, when you recognize his lordship over your life, he is going to begin to communicate to you, and you are going to understand his call for your life, and his call for your life is a wonderful one. You'll never regret that journey. It will be a source of adventure, and you will find God in the midst of walking in his will for your life. So he says, your kingdom come, your will be done as in heaven also upon the earth. And what this all is about is one thing, that we are committed to his lordship, his rule, his will happening in this world. How can we understand that? What what am I talking about? Well, God's authority being kept and maintained in this world, you know what that is? That is the kingdom of God. If you look at the book of Revelation, you will find this, that one of the words that repeat over and over and over throughout the book of Revelation is the word throne, speaking about God's throne and where is it? In heaven. I wish it was in another location. Where? In Jerusalem. In that place known as the Holy of Holies. Why? When God's throne is in Jerusalem, we are experiencing the kingdom. First, the millennial kingdom, and then afterwards, we're going to see that God's tabernacle, where he dwells, and that includes his throne, is with man. He is coming to dwell with us. And when his kingdom comes, so will God's order. And God's order is wonderful because it's righteous, it's holy, it's good, it's perfect. It is a kingdom of blessing. When God's order is maintained, we're going to experience blessing. So he says, as in heaven, so too on earth. And then he speaks about now, when we have the right commitment, the right perspective, then we can pray for our our earthly needs. He speaks about our bread, but there's a adjective. And that that word for, for 
describing this bread is the word necessary. The bread that we're dependent upon each day. And bread oftentimes is a word of resource or sustenance. And what it says here is pray. Pray for your daily sustenance. What you need, didn't say what you want, didn't say what you'd like to have, didn't say what you think that you should get. But he says, pray for what? That daily sustenance. So we have a word which means that which is essential, that which is required, and pray for that every day. Look now to our last verse, verse 4. In the same way that our, our physical needs need to be provided for, and that is bread, it is essential. You know what else is essential? And this is something that is probably hard and difficult for most, and that is forgiving, forgiving others. This is part of effectual prayer. So he says, last verse, verse 4, and forgive us our sins until you acknowledge your sinfulness, that you violate God's standards. Don't expect anything spiritually of significance to happen in your life. He says, forgive us of our sins, but if you want him to forgive you, he also says, for also we ourselves forgive all, what an important word, all those that are indebted to us, meaning that have transgressed, that have sinned against us. So we forgive them in entirety. And again, if you don't have that forgiving spirit, it is extremely spiritually dangerous. Be quick to forgive because we want God quickly to forgive us. And then he says, do not bring us into temptation. Now, God is not tempted and God does not tempt others. The, the meaning of this passage is simply this. God don't allow us to undergo temptation. Why? Because we're weak. We don't want to be exposed to those things that seduce us. So it's simply saying, God, keep us away from those things that tempt us. And he says, rather, this is what we want. Deliver us. And I like this. Deliver us from evil. What's evil? Evil is anything that is not God's will. And we want to be delivered from that. What does that mean? God, I am committed to your will, and I don't want anything that seduces me to move me away from your plans and your purposes. If you want to pray effectively, understand this. It is only when you are committed to doing God's will. And you might say, I'm confused by his will. You'll never have clarity of his plans and his purposes in general or for your life until first you approach him submissively. You approach him with a sincere desire to obey him. And when you do, you're going to see that there's going to be a significant change in your prayer life. And you are going to start hearing from him. And he is going to direct you so that you can be an effective servant of his. 
Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.